Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT and you're listening to us in Portland on AM860 The Answer, the Golf News Network on iHeartRadio and multiple stations between hither and yon. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. They have a special promotion going on. I'll tell you about that a little later in the show. Well, You know, we had Van Sickle on to give his thoughts prior to the Masters. And so I couldn't think of a better person to give us a recap because I don't think Van Sickle's home by now. He's probably stopped off and played golf five times. But anyway, our our buddy Bob Herrig is back. As you know, Bob writes for Sports Illustrated and his book last year, which we talked about his first appearance on the show, Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. And uh, I just wanted to welcome him back. He's a great guest. Bob, welcome. Hey. Great to be back. Thank you. <laughs> so overall on the Masters, let's start with an easy one. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate it? I would probably give it a 7. Um, a lot of good stuff, but this is like the, what, the fourth straight year now? Third straight year? The fourth straight year, we've really not had back nine drama. Or, you know, certainly yeah. not the last few holes. The, the winner has won by, you know, a fairly safe margin. He was, he was stepping on to 17 and 18 pretty secure. And, you know, we've not really had that since Tiger in 2019. Right. So, um, but yet that doesn't mean there wasn't a lot of other good stuff. I mean, obviously Rom's victory was phenomenal the way he um, overcomes a, a, a quad on the very first hole mm-hmm. uh, four putt. Uh, no, not a quad, a double bogey, but he four putted. That, that's where the quad came from. Sure. Four putts, uh, you know, and, and and actually, you know, played his last uh, 17 holes in nine under that day to shoot 65. Um, and then he had the worst draw. You know, Kepka, you know, listen, he shot the scores all good on him. 65-67 was before the bad weather came in. Rom had to finish up his second round on Saturday, and, he, and those remaining holes he had, he was something like one under. And that kept him in touch with Kepka. Kept him only two back. He was two back going into the final round. All that was great. Kepka's resurgence is a great story. Right. Phil, Phil shooting 65. Um, nobody saw that coming. Uh, Rory missing the cut. I don't think too many of us saw that coming. So lots of, you know, lots of good stuff. Hot, you know, horrendous weather on the weekend. Luckily, nobody got hurt with trees going down. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, just, you know, just another <laughs> wild masters. So this doesn't have anything to do with the actual play at the masters, but when you've got those 
huge rain delays or even a you know suspension of play for the rest of the day. What do you guys in the media center do? Start playing cards or what? This is one we really, really could use a potting green. Yeah. <laughs> could use a putting green. Yeah. I mean, because we're really not allowed to do much. You can't go talk to the players uh, during that time. They're off limits. Uh, you know, you, you're certainly not going to be out on the course. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe there's work to do. I mean, obviously, you got to let people know what's going on. But uh, everybody's just sort of waiting around just like they, just like they are. So, um yeah, that that that'd be a great time to have an indoor putting green. I'll suggest it and see what they see what yeah. they say. Yeah, let's see if it gets by the committee up there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. Well, as a uh, uh, a civilian, I'm to call myself that today, and watching it, uh, I have this little thing I do, Bob. It's uh, the Masters and the Open are the only two I do it, but I shut down all my recording stuff i i banish people from my life except for my wife and she couldn't give two rips about golf and i i want to watch as much of them as the masters as i could i was supposed to be there this year but uh, i think i told you i had my knee replaced and sorry listeners i know you're tired of hearing about that but i didn't want to sit on a plane for five hours from portland to atlanta but i was i was going to be there and then i just figured out like couldn't sit with my knee bent like that for that long a time. So I, I really, you know, kind of carve out this time, like a lot of people to really try to watch everything that's presented. And then you get the rain delays. So next thing I know, I'm out on my lawnmower in a, in the rain, trying to cut the grass so I can have a, a free weekend or something, you know, like that. But uh, the reason I, I say something about that, Bob, is, there's been some criticism of the master's coverage on television and I think it's fine. I don't have a big issue with it. There was a lot of chirping about not covering Phil and some of the live guys, their scores the first couple of days. And then I think the networks kind of took the subliminal message and they started doing that. But then again, Phil was shooting a lot better. So I know you're there in person, but any discussion of that in the press room? Definitely. Yeah. I would say anecdotally early on, um, they were light on the live coverage, mm -hmm. even, even though they said that they would not do that. Uh, Sean McManus, CBS president, they had a con media conference call the week before the masters. They were specifically asked on how they would handle live. And they basically said, look, we're going to treat it the same. You know, we're, we're going to be above it. And, and, you know, they're, they weren't going to go out of their way to, you know, get into the controversy, which I completely sure. understand. And of course, uh, you know, the masters wanted to be above all that uh, too. Uh, but they, they made it out like they were going to treat everyone equally. And my sense was they did not really do that at the beginning. You know, Phil had a pretty good opening round. As a former Masters champion, and if this if there was no live, he would have been shown a lot more. I mean, I can't I can't say that with any kind of like empirical data, right? But it's just it's just what you feel. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy's not being shown much. Um, they had no choice but to show Kapka because he was playing in the afternoon on on Thursday, and he really was the only guy doing much in the afternoon. The other good scores have been shot in the morning. Right. So they had to show him. And so to their credit, you know, they weren't going to stay, stay away from a guy who's leading. 
but you know, like there was very little Dustin Johnson. I thought, you know, Dustin didn't have a great tournament, but normally you'd show a past major a past masters winner. Right. Um, you know, there was very little of Cam Smith. You know, he just won the open last year. Right. Again, now Cam wasn't doing a whole lot to warrant it, maybe. So this is where I give them a little bit of a pass, you know, but you asked the question. I'm just saying anecdotally, I thought they were a little light uh, as we got into the weekend and, the, and those names were up there. You know, they, they were more compelled to show them. And that would have been obviously Kepka, Phil, uh, Patrick Reed, who mm-hmm. finished top five. And then, you know, they jumped around to a guy like Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, uh, some of some of those other guys who, you know, who are also with Liv. Well, I was kind of looking at it. <clears throat> over the weekend, excuse me, and you kind of broke it out, and it was no different than any other tournament in my book. You had, like you said, uh, you had Kepka, you had Phil, you had Patrick Reed, you had these guys kind of on the move all the time and either holding their spot or moving up, and then you had some of the, the bottom ones that were with Liv didn't make the cut or were so far down the, you know, the leaderboard that it really didn't matter, and I guess it was de- decides uh, or it's depending, I should say, Bob, on which side of the live issue you are personally as to how you felt the coverage was. But I, I agree with you from sitting at home and watching it. There was a lot more coverage um, Saturday and Sunday, not just of Kepka, because like you said, he was he was making the charge all four mm-hmm. days. But, you know, of Phil, of Patrick Reed, I don't really remember seeing much of Patrick read the first two days on the coverage right yeah i as someone who tries to be right down the middle on this um i think that uh i think that the live coverage was was a little lacking it could have been better yeah um it wasn't awful wasn't bad no the live the live people would say they didn't show show them enough the people who are on the pga tour side and hate live would say who cares we don't want to see them you know, I, yeah. I think I think the answer is in the middle. And I think the actual uh, way that that most people tried to deal with this was let's let's put that that feud aside and make this about the Masters. Mm-hmm. The Masters itself did that. I thought a lot of the players did on both sides. Yes. They, they, they all tried to make it about the tournament and not about this, you know, this you know, inner tour war here that's been going on for the last year. Right. We got to take a break. We're going to be back with Bob Herrick from Sports Illustrated. We're doing a master's recap and we'll return in just a couple of minutes. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JP. We've got Bob Herrig with us today. Bob was a longtime writer for ESPN and the Tampa Bay Times, and he's got a new book out. Well, it's almost a year old now, I guess, but uh, Tiger and Phil's golf most, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. I've read it. In fact, I read it twice. I don't know if that gets me any brownie points with you, <laughs> but I did read it twice, Bob, and I think it's a great book. Um that's that was you just answered my other question that we ended up the last segment with, which was from what we could see, whether it was on Golf Channel or CBS or uh, 
the other networks, ESPN and stuff, it seemed like the guys were all pretty friendly out there on the driving range. You know, I saw some of them that hadn't seen each other in well over a year and they were shaking hands and giving hugs and high fives and stuff. So that kind of makes me also wonder about all the icky lawsuit stuff. And that's not what we're here to talk about today, but sometimes I think the players are like, yeah, you two turkeys at the top of the list here, fight it out in the hen house. And we're going to stay out here and play golf. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it now. If there hadn't been a lawsuit, I think, I think a lot of the rhetoric would have not been so ramped up. Yeah. Um, That, that, that made things a lot more serious. Uh, because the guys in the PJ Tour side felt like they were being sued. I mean, it's their organization. Ultimately, the funds being used to, to fight it are their, is their money. You know, right. it's, at least it's in, indirectly. And so they, I think some of them took it personal. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that as we've seen as this evolved, you know, the top guys on the PJ Tour side, they wanted some of these same things that live is delivered. Right. You know, they they wanted more elite events. They wanted more uh, limited field events. They wanted more big money events. Mm -hmm. They even wanted more probably no cut events. And that's what they're going to get next year. Uh, So. The ones who completely bash live are being a bit disingenuous because while you might not like the, the way they went about it, and I get that. Right. You might not like the rhetoric. Um, obviously you're taking players away from our tour is what they're thinking, but the whole reason that evolved and could have even been possible is because the PGA tour had been slow to adopt some of these things, you know, and now they are adopting them. I mean, to the tour's credit, they've responded, you know, next year we have one. Now we've got the, you know, the, the tournament at Hilton that is a, is a designated event. That was mm-hmm. an eight and a half million dollar tournament last year. It's $20 million this year. If, ne- if it is still a designated event next year, which we do not know yet, it will, it will not only will it have a $20 million purse, but it'll only have 70 to 80 players and yeah. no cut. So that is their answer to guaranteed money to the, to the PGA Tour players, which, which uh, you know, Liv did in another way. They guaranteed money every week too, but all that upfront money as well. Maybe you could say that the Tour's upfront money is the PIP, PIP, yeah. the Player uh, Impact <laughs> Program. So you know, they've just gone about it in different ways. And um, I still am of the opinion that if, if we dialed down the, the, the animosity, if there was no lawsuit, if, if Greg Norman would, you know, not keep poking at the PGA tour, which obviously look, they're not saying the tour is perfect, but they've also done pretty well by these guys too. And you keep poking that bear. I don't understand that because you were never going to replace the PGA Tour. His his mantra from the beginning was, we want to be additive. Okay, well, if you want to be additive, you're acknowledging that they're there, but yet you keep you keep mocking them or, or knocking them or whatever you're yeah. doing. And and again, some of what they, they're proposing just wasn't that realistic. Uh, you know, if, if Norman had his way, all the live guys would still be able to play in PGA Tour events. If I'm the PGA Tour, I I say why why should we change our rules, right? You know, so there's there's both sides of that, and I could probably argue either side if you made me, but I I and I, but I get it, I get yeah. both sides. Yeah, Greg's got long sharp fingers, you know, like <laughs> that. Um, by the way, you just 
gave me an idea, and I want you to kind of mull on this. This is besides getting the putting green added to the press center. I think you ought to create a uh, a PIP fund for golf writers. Okay, and I think you should lay that out there because you're closer to the <laughs> center of gravity there, and, and see where that goes. I think we maybe might be able to raise about fifty bucks. Maybe, maybe, yeah. and a Starbucks card or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure who would be contributing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes these ideas take a little while to that's, get off the ground. That's yeah. right. It would. It would take a while. I'm afraid. So, Bob, um, you've you've covered all these guys for a long, long time. What's going on with Spieth? You know, he makes these runs and and. Man, he gets a ton of ac uh, accolades, and it's and he deserves them. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but then you know it looks like yeah, he's going to climb right to the top. He ends up being tied fourth here, but what's going on with him? Because he's like, I guess everybody tries to compare his playing now to what he did back in 215. I right. don't think that's a fair analogy because he's gained some years, his life has changed, and all that. But he's he runs so hot and cold. I I don't know. And you're you're right there. You see it. Yeah. Look, 2015 is eight years ago. Right. You know, and even his last major is six years ago. And we have found that in this era, you know, the gap between your 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 best play is not always that long. Mm -hmm. You know, even go going way back in time. Um, you know, and of course, Nicholas is a, is 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 a different story. You know, he right. won majors twenty four years apart, but Arnold Palmer won majors eight years apart. Actually, six. I'm sorry, six years. His first major was in fifty eight. His last major was in sixty four. Now, of course, his career went well beyond that, but he never won another major after that. Right. Um, same with Tom Watson, seventy five to eighty three. He should have won that one at Turnberry in two thousand and nine, which would have been the biggest outlier. Yeah. He, um, you 59. Know. And then wasn't he right? He was. Yeah. So, you know, Phil's were, were fairly far apart, 2004, 2021, uh, you know, in, in terms of first and last, you know, tiger 97, uh, 2019, but it's generally a, a smaller window. So to expect speed to be at that level, I mean, he, he fell off after 2017. He did not win. In 2018, he was a 54-hole leader at the Open and didn't follow, didn't win. Mm -hmm. And he didn't win in 18 and 19 and 20. Uh, he finally won again in 21. He won again last year, but he's only won once each year. Yep. We're going to take another break. We're going to be back with Bob Herrig from Sports Illustrated and other notable outlets right after this. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Welcome back to uh, Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We'd like to thank again the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended really quickly. I know, you know, you hear my shows all over the country and, you know, wherever you live. And some markets have Painted Hills beef in them and some don't. But if you want to try some, here's the way to do it. Go to their website. They've tuned up their online store. Select your order. Down in the bottom, there's a little bar. 
says if you have a coupon or code, just write in BBQ Nation. That's my other show, BBQ Nation, and you get 15% off of your order, uh, and it'll go right to your house. Uh, Birdie Ball, we'd like to thank John Breaker and his family back in um, uh, Denver, the Denver area, for creating uh, Birdie Ball. And uh, they've sold several million birdie balls over the years. So it tells you that it's still going to be around for a while. So anyway, we're talking with Bob Herrick about the Masters. Bob, what was the one big takeaway for you from the Masters? Uh, well, I, I I guess the biggest one is, is that probably something we already knew. Rom, Rom John Rom is a force. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he is a force. I mean um you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me to see him win another one this year uh and it's been a while since somebody's won two in the same year um he uh uh you know look it's funny the recency bias that we have he he had finally finally had an off tournament at at bay hill the arnold palmer we tied for 31st and then the next week at the players championship he got sick and he withdrew after the first round yeah. And then he didn't make it out of pool play at the match play, which is no big deal. It's the match play. It's a very, very sort of, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a format that's hard to tell what your form is. Sure. But yet, so though, right there, it's almost like, I don't want to say we forgot about him. He was certainly among the favorites, but a, just, just in a month's time, a little bit of that shine had come off when, look at we, what he had done before that. He had won, like, I believe he had won, what, five of his last 10 starts right. worldwide. He had already won three times this year. He won He won in Phoenix, which was a designated event in a huge, great field. Uh, so, obviously, he won the Tournament of Champions. He won the, uh, uh, he won the Amex. So, you know, now he goes to Augusta among the favorites. And on the final day, you know, he overcomes a guy who's been playing really, really well was incredibly steady down the stretch, did not make errors, and, uh, you know, has stamped himself number one again. Uh, I just thought it was, you know, this is great. You know, to get a second major, it's a big deal. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, especially after last year when he didn't really contend in any of them, you know, and so, like, he was very, very disappointed in himself. Then he finally got it together late in the year, started winning again, so that's my biggest takeaway. You know, Rom Rom's a force. I mean, that you know, this this these things can be fleeting, but I'd be surprised if he wasn't a big part of it here going forward uh, the rest of the year. I, I got to tell you, when we were watching the final round on Sunday, and we had some our friends over, and my good friend said, "You know, I don't like John Rom's swing. It's it's kind of well, it's kind of an abbreviated swing and all this." I said, "Well, he's thick like I am. I can't help that, you know." And I said, "But I'll tell you what, Lyle, when you can start hitting the ball like John Rom, then you can start comparing his swing to somebody else." Because <laughs> I like him. I like the passion the guy has. Um, you know, sometimes we all get a little over the top with our emotions, but. I like him, and he has got that. Well, Kepka's got it too. But you look at him, and they've got those faint glimmers of looks in their eyes, like Tiger always had when he was on the hunt in those days, like you know, a killer with a golf club. And I see that in them. They're they're not as steely as as Tiger was back in the day, but I see Kepka focus like that. I see Rom focus like that. Um, Phil was always like 
I'll hit the ball and then I'll tell you a joke. So that's, you know, which is fine. He's a, he's a serious guy, but he also had a, a fun side to him. And I think they all do in a way. Mm-hmm. But I, I think your take, just for my personal opinion, which doesn't mean much here, but it, I think uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of John Rom. Maybe not just this year, but ongoing. I think he's, uh, you know, he's got that uh, the Spanish thing going, and that has nothing to do other than he's with uh, Seve and, and uh, you know, Jose Maria Op and um, – no, there was one other one, but he was very focused on that. And it really meant a lot to him to win the masters and be in that group of elite folks from Spain. That's uh, yeah. Sergio would be the other one. Yes. Yeah, sorry. And, and you're right. They're all, they, you know, they all had that fire about them in their own way. Uh, and the fact that he noted 70 a couple of times is really neat. Um, you know, it's uh Seve's the hero of European golf, obviously huge in Spain. And, um, you know, it was sort of interesting that it was Seve's 66th birthday or would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also exactly 40 years from when Seve won his second Masters. Um, and uh, uh, actually, that also happened to be the last time there was a Monday finish, which we looked like we were trending towards and didn't happen. But no, it's nice that Rom, you know, kind of, was aware of the history and, 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 um, and pointed it out. Uh, and this is another thing about Rom. I say, I've said this several times is that, um, you know, he came to the U S to go to college at Arizona state. Uh, we're talking probably what, 10, 11 years ago now. And he had very, you know, he, he didn't speak a lot of English and I, the guy speaks better English than we do now. Yes. He's incredibly well-spoken He's very, very, you know, good opinions and thoughts or whether you believe, believe them or not, he, he, he enunciates them. He explains himself. He has, has strong takes on various issues in the game. And it's, I, you know, I just think it's, it's neat that he's able to do this in a yeah. second language. You know, I can imagine how hard that would be and how intimidating that might be. And he gets up in front of a room, you know, and talks that way. I mean, I just think it's, it's just kind of a nice trait. It's very impressive that he's able to do that and, and, and sort of become you know, not only just a great golfer, obviously, but he's able to, to, to say what he thinks and feels and, uh, and, and, and be confident about it. I feel like that every time I go to New York, having to live, learn a new language. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit more about, the the masters and the fact of the patrons can't call them the fans down there they have to be the patrons i guess they were receptive to all the players weren't they live or tour guys or you know invitees from the amateur ranks that's what it looks like on tv so uh, i looked like they gave them you know well-deserved golf claps and stuff when they made a shot or uh and kind of held back a little bit if they missed something but that's what it looked like was that the feeling you got being there on the grounds? Yeah, for the most part, I think that's true. Um, you know, they were there to appreciate the golf and not take it out on anybody or what have you. Um, I thought uh, when Phil was doing really well, you, you would have never known the difference. But there were other times when I thought Phil had far less uh, fanfare than he would have normally. Mm-hmm. There is, it, it, so to me, there was this, there was a little bit of a of a backing off of supporting him 
from what we would have seen two, three, four years ago. You know, a guy who was yeah. revered, you know, um, obviously multiple major champion. Uh, so, but yet when he got going, I didn't think it was any different than it had always been. Um, only got a couple mm-hmm. minutes where we got to go to break, but Victor Hovland, there were times you thought he was really going to put a, a run on and then something happened. You know, he rinsed the ball. He did whatever he did. And uh, I think that kid's got a bright future, but he kind of was a little yo-yo effect uh, on, yeah. on this tournament. I, I I sort of think that's a little bit his MO, you know, um, he's a bit of a yo-yo in, in, in terms of his, in terms of his game and consistency, he's clearly got world, world-class ability. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he's won a handful of tournaments, but, but not a lot like, you know, and not, and not really the big ones yet, yet. Yeah. You know, he, he's put himself there a few times, you know, people forget he was in the last group with Rory last year at St. Andrews. In fact, they were tied. They were four shots ahead of everybody else. But Hovland was sort of out of it, you know, know, six, seven holes in without Rory doing all that much. You know, I mean, that's sort of the amazing thing about Rory not winning that week is that Rory went out with a four-shot lead over everyone else. The guy who was right next to him didn't have it. Rory shoots 70, hitting every green in regulation and still loses. We're going to take a break. Um, Bob and I will be back after these quick messages. You're listening to Grilling at the Green on iHeartRadio. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Growing It's Green. I'm JT. We've got Bob Herring with us today. Um, but first, we're going to get our little golf tip of the week from Bruce Furman. Hi, this is Bruce Furman. I'm the director of instruction out at Langdon Farms Golf Club, and I'm going to give you a little tip today. And should you get your golf ball uh, fitted, should you? They do fittings at different clubs and, and different manufacturers do, Titleist and all the different ones do that. And there are differences in golf balls, so I think it would behoove you if you're a serious golfer to get fit for the right golf ball. Uh, the two-piece balls are the ones that go the farthest, so if you need more distance, they go go the farthest, uh, and they spin the less, so they're not quite as good around the greens. And they are the cheapest balls, so if you're you know on a budget, that's the ball to get, or you're more of a beginner. Something like the Titleist Velocity or the Callaway Hex Diablo, those are the two-piece balls. Then they have three-piece balls. Those are pretty good for your regular average players. They, they're good for moderate swing speeds, and there's a lot of those. I'm not going to get into all those. And then there's the multi-layer balls, the four-piece and five-piece balls, and they're the more costly ones. They're, they're like the Pro V1X or the TaylorMade TP5, and they're actually designed to, to spin less with the driver and a little more with the wedges around the green. And everybody, if you're a beginner or or so forth, you think you might need that ball. But I think you're better off getting fit for the right ball for you and not just stepping up and trying to buy the most expensive ball or the ball the pros use. So keep that in mind when you go to buy golf balls. 
Thanks. Thank you, Bruce. If you want to find out more about Bruce Furman, just go to the Langdon Farms website, click on instruction, and everything you need to know is right there. So, Bob, I think the most pressing question is, how many pimento and cheese or egg salad sandwiches did you eat? <laughs> uh, you, none of the former. <laughs> that, that is not my thing at all. I okay. just cannot do that. Egg salad would probably be... Um, I'm not sure I could put a number on it, but it's, I would, I would probably say not double digits, but close. Close. You got to remember I was there for 10 days. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, I wouldn't say it was quite one a day, but you know, might, might, might not be far off that. You ever stick one in your briefcase when you go home? Yes. <laughs> yes. I told, um, this was a few years ago, but, um, when when I got to play one year, they let us use the champions locker room, and I joked to Tiger that I put a a, a, a egg salad sandwich in his locker, and just to be looking for it the next time he comes, just to see if anybody else has been in there. I didn't really do that, but but you can imagine that um, that probably yeah. wouldn't be very good. No, no, they would. Well, what would happen is if they found out, they would have the place fumigated and send you the bill. So. <laughs> Probably, and they probably have it on camera, so yeah. not a good idea. I would imagine. Out of all the, uh, you know, we've talked about Rom and Mickelson, Kepka and Jordan and all those guys, but are there any young players that you're looking at that you think are really up-and-comers, somebody to keep an eye on that played in this year's Masters? Well, I certainly think Cam Young fits that. Yeah. Um, you know, that guy's been around the lead for a year and a half, seems like. Hasn't broke through, but's been there, but he's but he's been there. Yeah. You know, he he snuck in and finished second at the open last year. And he almost won the match play this year. Um a lo lot of good golf from that guy. And uh, you know, it's one of those, hey, once he gets over the hump, you think that maybe there'll be a bunch more. But I I really like him a lot. Um you know, look, there was a great – Sam Bennett had a great tournament. Uh, uh, it remains to be seen what kind of pro he'll be. You yeah. know, uh, there's just so many good players at that age, and and uh, you need to get out there first. You need to get out on tour, and and, and uh, there's no guarantees. But he certainly didn't seem to be bothered by the moment at all. Yeah. You know what? I've played this course 50 times. I think I need to lay up and give myself a 100-yard shot in or whatever the situation is. And I think that's really the biggest deal. And I think that's where Bennett's at. I mean, certainly gaining experience by playing these courses is a big deal. Right. Uh, but, but, but there does seem to be less of a learning curve necessary than there used to be. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of guys winning quickly. I, and I think that might lead to some impatience among others. Uh, because generally, you know, it does take a little bit of time. You got to learn how to travel. You got to learn how to manage your money. You got to learn how, you know, where to stay what works best for your health, all these things to play good golf. And you're not going to be able to know all that until you go through it. Right. Right. <clears throat> Bob, we want to thank you. Bob's going to stick around for after hours. I'm going to torture him a little bit more there, but uh, Bob Herring, thank you so much for giving us your take on the masters. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate uh, it. Um, we're going to be back next week with another edition of grilling at the green. And uh, Bob won't be back for a while, but uh, we'll we'll have somebody here to keep you entertained. Anyway, 
Um, have a good week, everybody. Go out and play some golf if you can, and uh, be kind. Take care. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.